Moon Goons. Hey, uh, next episode of Moon Goons. Uh, we just finished watching episodes seven and eight. Uh, eight is notable because it's when Sailor Mercury shows up. Ami Chong. And to talk about that, we have a friend here. Uh, Katie, you want to introduce yourself? Yes, hello. Uh, my name is Katie Crow. I've been a fan of Sailor Moon since I was itty bitty tiny. Thank you to Haley for being my uh, first Sailor Moon friend, actually. <laughs> I also played Sailor Mercury in a Sailor Moon musical parody that ran for about a year and a half in Chicago. Um, <laughs> so fan experience, I'm excited to be here. What was the parody? I didn't know. Oh, that. um, it was called Moon Prism Power, a Sailor Moon musical parody, and uh, we did the entire first season. Is there anywhere that people can like look this up and watch it? Like, is it still on YouTube or anything? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know if there's any video that exists of it, but there are certainly photos. Yeah, I can I can send you some of those. Yeah, it, or if there's a website link or something, we can put it in the description if you're comfortable with that. <laughs> Cool, cool. Um, and yeah, so this one's kind of perfect for you because episode seven is the show business. Episode. That is um, correct. <laughs> the performance and then the Mercury. You've actually got a Sailor Mercury tattoo. I sure do. Yeah. Well, you can see it. Oh, whoa. Now that it's done, that looks great. Grant, come look. Okay. Oh, that's rad. I love that color. Thank you. So the question we've been asking people when they come on is, and I guess you get a dual one too, because you get our first new Sailor Soldier. So. <sighs> What does Sailor Moon mean to you? And why is Mercury your favorite? Flash, kind of what does she mean to you? Oh boy. Okay. Well, uh, Sailor Moon, Sailor Moon to me, the essence of Sailor Moon is friendship. Uh, I came to a, a philosophical discovery when we were doing uh, Moon Prism Power in that uh, Usagi is the moon and the moon has no light of its own. It only reflects the light of other things mm. uh, like Usagi reflects and absorbs the power of friendship <laughs> for her for her uh, power ups as, as she goes on. So that's really it's hardwired into me that Sailor Moon equals friend <laughs> um, between uh, you, all of my castmates. Um, I actually have made some friends uh, across seas with over the over the musicals, <laughs> which is a whole nother topic. So I when we did Moon Prison Power, I was the dramaturg for the show as well. So I was the resident expert. Uh, I was jokingly called the Sailor Scholar which oh, nice. I, suppose, I suppose was appropriate because Put I was playing on. Ami, um, <laughs> just kind of like natural extension of my role. Um, but I was the resource for the manga, for the musicals, for, you know, which, which episodes you absolutely need for plot, which ones are just fun. Mm -hmm. um, so I have, I have a lot of ingrained relationships with Sailor Moon. So beyond themes, just to me, Katie, it just is friendship. Now, my sweet girl, Ami-chan, is my favorite because um, she's the brains of the group. Mm -hmm. um, she will later serve as the kind of tactician. Um, she gets a cool handheld computer, which uh, helps her plan battles. And Ami is shy. Uh, I was the shy, awkward, nerdy kid. I still am the shy, awkward, nerdy kid. Um, 
But I really, I mean, goodness, the scene where Usagi and Naru and Melvin are talking about her down the hall, like, oh, did you hear Ami Mizuno? She got the top score again. And the one girl's like, I think she's kind of mean because she's always so smart and she thinks she knows better than everybody. That resonates very firmly with me because that's who I was as a child. <laughs> but she's so sweet. Yeah. Unf- unfalteringly so. It, in fact, she, uh, well, you haven't, you haven't gotten to other scouts yet. So I can't really talk about how she plays off of like Ray, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's the, not quite the mom. Cause I think Mako kind of takes the mom crown. Uh, if we're not giving it to Mamoru. <laughs> But she's the caring one, the kind one. And I, I just, I love that about her. Um, interesting take on kind of the smart one trope. Yeah. Um, Ami is very logical and very smart, but mm-hmm. she's also very perceptive. Yes. And she's perceptive about people's emotions. Mm-hmm. And she's not like, I'm robot smart. You know what I mean? Right. That, that gets slapped on a lot of quote unquote the smart characters. Right. Mm-hmm. She she has very strong empath vibes, and she's our water girl at least for a while. So that kind of ties into those empathetic sensing of emotions kinds of vibes as well. I was gonna say when you're talking about Usagi and the moon having no light of its own, it really is she does. Even if Usagi doesn't necessarily have all of the best traits, she's great. But, you know, Usagi is deeply flawed. Once once all of her friends start hanging around her, though, it's almost like she works like an amplifier to Mm -hmm. play up the best parts of them. Like, they even say they become better people being around her. Yeah. Um, So I think that goes back to her reflecting stuff. And, yeah, something we were saying in the episode when everybody was talking in the hallway and Am was looking out the window... I was like, yeah, I think people have talked about me that way. There's even been people that have told Rant before, like, Haley's kind of cold and princessy. And that's very, the kind of same, like, oh, Ami is stuck up because, you know, she says a fact and then she doesn't talk to us anymore. When really the princessy one is me, Prince Grant. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, y'all want to dig into these episodes? Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. Okay, let's start with episode seven. I'm going to let you two kind of give the recap and talk about it, and then I'll I'll give some technical info at the end. Okay. You want to kick us off? Uh, sure. Okay. So uh, this uh, episode seven is the performing arts episode. Um, the prevailing plan of the day, um, Jedite sweet confused boy Jedi uh, decides that the best plan today would be to hijack a pop star Mm -hmm. and use her pop star well, turn a monster into her I guess, and use her star power to collect energy for the negatives. Jedi loves show business. He sure does. He sure does. So many of his plans are like radio or show business based. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. goodness, the yeah. the brooch episode for for goodness sake. <laughs> oh, talk, yeah, the, the talk show host, hour. radio talk show host yeah. Jedi is my favorite. <laughs> That's my favorite it. Jedi oh, plan. Oh, and in this episode, he gets not one. But two civilian disguise looks. Does he? I remember his like. Oh, uh huh. 
No, he, that's that's his hair. Oh, that's right. He's For not, some reason, I thought he had like green hair. No. Um, in the beginning, when he's first scouting out for an idea for a plan. Oh yeah, just, yeah. His costume is just trench coat. It's trench coat. <laughs> a different trench coat than his first trench coat. Oh, you know he's got a couple. His, his first trench oh, sure. coat in episode two with the matching hat was purple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this trench coat was gray. And he didn't have a hat. He just had some red wireframe glasses. Who is that? And then his second outfit is when he is the talent scout slash the host of this talent show. Mm. Like a sweater? It's it's a lavender tuxedo with the full like 50s. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a real, real like uh, Andy Kaufman would play him. But uh, Andy, it's very like 1950s, like late night. Yeah, real like. Oh yeah. Gross. That's the that's the whole thing, and I wish I could remember his name. But Andy Kaufman had this character, and uh, it just kind of gave me those vibes. You know, real like Jerry Lewis type shit. Yeah, I I love Jedi because same. He's such a personality. Well, they're all all the generals are personalities. Let me just say that. Um, big moods, those generals, big moods. Um, but Jedi, ah, man, he loves a good plan. Man, he doesn't he though? And God, the more, the more elaborate, the more mousetrap best, the better. The better. And, and he shows up and gets personal in his. The other generals that do get personal, either they pick one kind of like, this is my human persona and that's how, who they are, or they yeah. just show up as their general self and is like, Fuck it. I'm a floating. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Floating through your cafe. It's not like these guys aren't like dark energy monsters. But Jedi is like, no, you see, I'm going to go rent a fucking like tuxedo from the. Jedi is method. Okay. I respect that. He's behind the scenes. You know, he's the invisible hand. No, he's not. He's up front. He's on the radio as DJ J Delight in a lavender tuxedo. <laughs> yeah. DJ J Delight is the puppet master. You know what I mean? Uh, so, um, sorry, Jedi uh, side rant. Uh, right. So, plan of the day: pop star gonna steal everybody's energy. Take it away. What was her name again? Mikan, I think. Yeah, Mikan Jan. Mm-hmm. This episode opens. Usagi is running to school, and I love her logic in this. She's like, you know, if I waste all my energy running to school to get there on time, I'll be too tired. Oh, I won't be able to study. (laughs) So maybe I should just stroll. And then Naru like. And then there's a poster of Mikan-chan. And that's how we get introduced. Usagi stops and she's like, oh, Mikan's advertising. Maybe Mm -hmm. I'll buy it because Mikan likes it. Right, right, right. Naru hits her in the head. (laughs) Yeah, to get her moving. (laughs) And then we get to school and uh, we find out Umino is an idol fan because of course he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. He's got like all these stats and things. He's like, he's, he's looking her up. Two he's million like, yen a month, which is like, you not two zeros off. So and that's like the rule of thumb. Oh, that's buku money. No, if you dropped off, uh, that'd be like twenty thousand dollars. Oh, okay, yeah. so she makes twenty thousand dollars. Still, <laughs> I wish I did. That's Still good me. money. <laughs> yeah, I'll sing and dance. Umino is weirdly charming. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I have a I have a soft spot for Umino precious dumb boy that he is he but you're right he is a little less creepy than normal umino vibes i like to Um, hope that umino is just being very awkward and you know living in a sexist society and not knowing how to navigate it and i mean he's doing better than a lot of little boys because he's got like female friends and he's not weird about that that's true 
I wonder if this episode changes something in Umino because we could talk about once. Like, <laughs> he just feels right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe we could get into that. So, sure. The girls decide that they are going to get the attention of a talent coach uh-huh. so that they can get discovered like Mika. Mm-hmm. By singing Moonlight Jinsetsu. <laughs> yeah, the opening theme with the wrong lyrics. This shit yes. is so funny, too. Because as a. Uh, so cringy. Jingo uh, comes in and is like, will y'all stop? Y'all are creating such a damn racket. Y'all are off tune. Y'all are trash. And of course, we constantly get we we get Luna popping in. Should you really be spending your time doing this? Right, right. Yeah, don't you have something better to do, like uh, defeat the Dark Kingdom? I do want to say I really like Usagi's like red '80s off-shoulder sweater with her cute little like khaki jeans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I also liked her pun and they didn't translate this very well in the subtitles and I had to stop and explain it to to Grant. Naru says, and they translate it as like, we need to cause a stir. So Naru's like, we got to come out with this song and dance and be really great at it. And like, what she says is like, cause a racket to get the scouts attention. And her side grabs her tennis racket. And she's like, let's go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love the uh, the real behind the music, uh, the rise and quick fall of Naru and Usagi's super group, um, where they're like into it for like five minutes and then bitter enemies are trying. Oh, yeah. They, they have to break up and they have to be rivals. <laughs> it's some real, it's some real John Lennon, Paul McCartney level shit, you it's, know? It's also that meme where that guy is clasping somebody else's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's like, Amir is no longer friend. Uh, uh, Raj is best friend now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Usagi is no longer friend. Friendship ended with Usagi. Umino is now best friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so Usagi and Naru break up. Naru goes off with Umino. And then we also have the other two girls from the school um, who are doing like... They're doing a comedy routine. Yeah, it's some real Laurel and Hardy shit. Yeah. Um, Gabon accent, which, so there's a couple of different major accents and dialects in Japan, and some of them are like mutually unintelligible to each other. But the two mm-hmm. biggest are Tokyoban and Osakaban. And Osakaban gets made fun of a lot. Is that like equivalent to like sort of the southern accent in the US? I don't think so. I think that would be more like the Hokkaido accent, because that's like rural. Mm-hmm. Osaka-ban, I think people would maybe think of it as like a strong Jersey accent. Oh, okay. But it gets oh. made fun of a lot, and it's considered kind of the weird, funny... So usually you'll have comedians, and one will be the Tokyo guy who speaks kind of properly, and he's the straight man. Uh-huh. And the fall guy will we'll be, be the Osaka guy. Wow. say something like weird. And uh, one of the girls adopts an Osaka-ban accent. Ah. And it's even referenced at the end. She's like, when did you start talking like that? She's like, I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's a good <laughs> one in the U.S. Like, uh, uh, I don't know what they did to Naru's English uh, voice actress in the original dub. Yeah, oh, yeah, they give her that like really strong like Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn accent. New York, yeah. <laughs> you, um, yeah, I was listening to it and I was like. Molly Baker. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they got kind of their Laurel and Hardy thing going. Soggy mm-hmm. decides that her new performing partner is going to be her cat. Yep. Oh, yeah, Luna. And, and, oh, they do the 
animal tricks act sorry. <laughs> oh, that's right. So the fam is like watching some variety show on TV. Which uh, is about I love seeing the whole fam together. It just makes me very happy and they have they have such a it's a nice family dynamic. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're really like loving and chill with each other and very easygoing. It also feels yeah. Yeah, yeah, it feels like real and warm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're watching the the animal trainer on TV. And, right, he's got like a chimp or something. And I just remember the command is act sorry, and you have to like put your and put your head down. <laughs> <laughs> and she like has like an idea, and she's like, "Let me grab Luna right now." And the family's like, "Is she feeling okay?" And then like uh, he's not acting any weirder than usual. Yeah, yeah. Shingo like throws like major fucking shade and is like, ah, she acts weirder sometimes. Which is their dynamic, and I love it. <laughs> like that's just perfect. Yeah, I like Naru playing uh, Umino's crush to him when she's trying. He's like, do I really have to dress up like this? And, and it's a very like older business lady. He looks like a yeah. He looks well, like he's gonna sell me some Avon. Hold on, let's set the scene first. Oh, so, right. So we cut to, I think after that, is there's a little bit of like Usagi and Luna uh, working out this act where like Luna has to act sorry. And it's the same thing the ape does. And Luna's like, nah. Yeah. But then we cut to Naru. Okay, Umino's at the front door. And he's like, my name is Umino. Da 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 da. Uh, I am here to, uh, Naru has requested me to come over. And Naru's like, just get in. And <laughs> <Just a beer laughs> dummy. the next we cut to is her being like, I think she's like, I wish it's like her dressing Umino in like a business lady's outfit. Um, and she's like, we're going to do our idol group and Usagi will like this. Um, and what did she say? Like, he'll be more sociable. She, she basically lied and said she was asking Umino over to study. Right. To, like do homework. Right. And he's like, I really have to do homework. Right. Like, why do you have me dressed like right with the full pearls and everything? <laughs> yeah, and lipstick. <laughs> and she's like, you know, this is a way to study being sociable. And Usagi said her only complaint with you is that you're just not sociable enough. Mm. So you know, she'd like you so much more if you were just a little more. And he's like, Usagi said that. Yeah, you got to learn how the other side lives. You got to learn, you know, take a walk, learn about uh, learn about the troubles uh, that women have, and he's this gonna, is how you do it. He's gonna walk a mile in those kitten pumps. Mm -hmm. I like seeing friends without Usagi. Those are always yeah. fun moments. Yeah, I really um, like that too. It makes the world feel very lived in. Yeah. Umino commits to this role. Oh my god, sure does. yeah. Sure does. Umino, he wasn't gonna half-ass anything. He gets, Once it, you pulled Usagi into it, like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, it's going down. <laughs> we get the monster reveal pretty early in this episode because she attacks Mikan and kind of steals her. in the bathtub. Yeah, yeah. very uh, psycho. Very psycho. Very Hitchcock. Mm -hmm. Man, I'll tell you what. So far, Sailor Moon has been so creepy, like almost the level of like, are you afraid of the dark for children's horror? You know, like there's some really like this episode in particular has some like creepy bits that well, I'm sure we'll get into. Kind of the the shower thing is scary. It's it's mm -hmm. like I don't want to say it's like Jinji Ito level, but like you know body horror. Like she's like getting webbed up or glassed mm -hmm. up. To find out. Well, the design of this monster, I think it is fair if you say Jinji Ito because her face is so long and gaunt, and when she opens her mouth to spray the like liquid glass, it's yeah. like 
That Jinji Ito. Like, yeah. yeah. Distended jaw kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And Grant, I think you made an excellent point. Uh, there are elements of horror and uh, definitely body horror with the monsters, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, just themes in general. Like, it's in there. In It's not infrequent to have kind of horror moments interspersed with ha 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 isn't this aren't we funny and cute which Absolutely, is a vibe yeah. that I love <laughs> yeah no I really enjoy that vibe too it keeps things um I don't know I like that this show kind of lives with a lightness but like can go heavy mm-hmm. but then yeah so the monster comes in glasses over the idol and then touches her and steals her idea. I ain't talking credit cards. And then, now that the this monster is running amok, the whole town is leaving all of their duties. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've all decided that they're famous, and now all they must do is perform. Yeah, so uh, the monster goes and sets up a stage and is like, Hey, I'm looking for people to be... It's the next Cinderella, I guess, is the show? Mm-hmm. Well, the idea is... It's sort of like an American Idol style yeah. show, but it's called Cinderella Caravan. The okay. idea is you walk in a normal person, and then, you know, within this one evening, you walk out a star. So it's ah. this ma- it's rags to riches. I see. You know, Cinderella is the rags to riches story. Okay. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um... It's a very, like... Japan's Got Talent kind of yeah, exactly yeah. kind of vibe. 100% yeah. that vibe. Because it can it can be it can be it looks like the acts can be pretty varied. Um, yeah, like uh, see anyway. Yeah, because there's a comedy act, we've got a musical act, and then we've got uh, this police officer and Mikan's talent agent that just run into each other in front of doing like and they decide they're a duo. <laughs> Right, and one of them just does yoga poses, and the other one does, um, like, cheerleader-style acrobatics. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) So what happens is, during the stage, like, some dark energy shoots out and starts mind-controlling, and Haley mentioned that there was a cameo from some characters from another anime. Yeah, in the front, um, you get some background characters from uh, Yu Yu Hakusho. Oh, okay. Yeah, because these shows were airing at the time. Yeah, so it's oh, the I have to go back and they zoom in on, and they're wearing the blue school uniform with the um, with the yellow tie. Oh, yeah, yeah that's, that's Keiko's school uniform, and those are mm-hmm. Keiko's friends that are like, oh, the demon Yurameshi from the first episode. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Uh, nice. I didn't know that. There. Yeah, gotta love um, those. But yeah, so this plot is building over a couple of days. And the whole idea is these people that are caught up are gonna go to this like hall for the actual competition to become stars. And in these couple of days, it's really fun to see Usagi's, like the gears start turning in her head to sort of figure out this plot. She's like, oh, I think it's a monster. And I think it's connected to, you know, the Cinderella caravan competition. Mm -hmm. And Luna's like, Aren't you glad I saved you from getting involved in that by refusing to be your animal partner? Which is kind of a bummer because Usagi, you know, uses Luna as like a replacement for Maru. She's like, Luna is best friend now. And then Luna's like, we're not doing this. Yeah, Luna's But Usagi gets rejected twice. She tries to find a new best friend, basically. And then Luna's like, nah. Business cat. Business cat. And of course we get 
Luna constantly going on about not only are you not good at being Sailor Moon, but you're also supposed to be helping me find the Moon Princess, and you're not doing that either. And it's like, oof. Yeah, Luna oh, no. is kind of dunking on Usagi a lot. But Usagi is figuring out the plots in this one. I like that Genesis is, you know. Yeah, she's becoming more competent. I think so. Mm-hmm. She learns. She definitely yeah. learns as like she goes. Too. And while Usagi is figuring this stuff out, she's kind of wandering around Juban and watching people try to be celebrities. She runs into Mamoru, actually really tries to be nice to her this episode, and mm-hmm. epically fails. <laughs> yeah. You get the feeling that Mamoru is that kid at school in the playground that likes a girl, so he just teases her, and then he's like, but I like her so much, why doesn't she want to be my girlfriend? <laughs> well, maybe don't neg people. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mamoru. He just has no idea how to talk to, to women. And then he this time he's like, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be like, oh, you know, you can use your comedy. You're so funny and you're going to do the thing, right? Yeah. And she's just like, oh, so you don't think I can be pretty and talented. And then she also is like, why don't you get another outfit? Jeez. <laughs> she sees him in the distance and she ducks into an alley so that he won't talk to her. And she's like, oh, that jerk. I'll just wait till he leaves to come back out. But he's already mm-hmm. spotted her and he comes over and he's like, hey, Bunhead. He's like trying so hard to flirt. Right. And yeah. just crashes and burns. Not, yep. Not in the mood. He's been a jerk to her. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yup. Big time. So then we get everybody actually to the hall for the big energy stealing. And I think this is where you're getting kind of your, are you afraid of the dark vibes? Oh my the God. I love those phantom people. That would have freaked me out so much as a kid. Yeah. They're so creepy and, you know, you see the energy getting stealing and everyone's doing their act at once, which is mad funny. Um, (laughs) And then, yeah, I love it. Perfect boat pose. He was was sharp. And then Usagi, and this might be the creepiest part, opens up the uh, auditorium doors and the monster's head spins around. And we've seen this before, but it's so creepy because got like her idol clothes on and then the monster face and that just adds something to it for me yeah she delivered that line when she spins her head around so when we saw it the first time it was in episode one it was morgana yes and morgana spins all the way around she's like who are you creepy monster voice but this monster delivers it in her little idol voice right and it's extra she's like what oh so you've seen me huh and then usagi's rightfully like runs right right. out (laughs) she's just like nope (laughs) yeah and she goes into the bathroom, which has a ladies and gents sign, and it's a little uh, tuxedo hat. It's uh, a little dress. Um, and I just thought that was a cute little touch. And uh, Luna and Usagi are in the bathroom, and Luna's like, time to transform. I mean, I really, people make fun of Usagi for being scared all the time and running away from monsters, but that part was legitimately like, I understand if why If I she... saw that, I would leave. That's a legit <laughs> reason to be scared. <laughs> yeah. Did Jedi rent this auditorium? stole it. I think so. I think you did. <laughs> Just along with his uh, renting pet shop. And- the Negaverse clearly has some dollar dollar bills, y'all. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> They're always spending lavish amounts of money. That's the thing. Uh, they got to get that energy, but after a while, it's not profit. But then Usagi comes in with her theatrics that she does full Which- with like the curtains. Yeah, who's stage light? The spotlight. Luna? Oh yeah, Who you're else? right. You're right. Luna's up there making sure keeping the keeping the spotlight tight. Can you imagine running how... some ballyhoos? Okay, I don't know how heavy those things are. Could a tiny cat keep 
keep that spotlight on her, Soggy. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's that tiny cat. That a lot. <laughs> they're not. They're not the worst, but a cat is very tiny. Yes. <laughs> then she um, rotates it around to give Tuxedo Mask his spotlight. Yeah, yep. she, she's pretty talented. We don't see Luna on screen at all while any of the like. Uh, that's yeah, that's because Luna's up in you know doing the spotlight. <laughs> yeah. I really like I really like this uh, in the name of the moon speech. This particular oh, one. Luna's in the catwalk. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the speech done by it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I I really like this in the name of the moon speech. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's because I am a performer and it just kind of is is like the. I mean, all of them are. Uh, in some way, shape, or form, about the pureness of heart, but uh, yeah. taking advantage of one's dreams to be famous the on their own. Jedi. How did y'all feel about this fight? Um, tense. She couldn't breathe for a minute. Tuxedo Mask really saved the day again. I mean, what would she have done? <laughs> I just like is at this point she doesn't have. Yeah, she would have died. She doesn't have any of the other scouts yet. So Luna couldn't really save her. Hooray for Tuxedo Mask. <laughs> Thank you, Tuxedo Common. Her time that she spends like avoiding the monster crawling around, I just keep thinking, man, the Sailor Senshi costumes involve white gloves on that <laughs> sticky theater floor. Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> gonna be a nice gray glove. And good God, let me tell you, keeping those things clean, so difficult. <laughs> oh yeah, you were, you were a lot uh -huh. of them. Mm-hmm. And, and you couldn't, like, can't touch your face because you get any amount of makeup on it. It shows. Yeah, they're just, oh, but I, I didn't even think about a theater floor. <laughs> See, that's the power of glamour magic. You always look good. <laughs> that's true. Things you take for granted when you, when you have to be a real-life Sailor Scout. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Tuxedo Mask frees Sailor Moon from the, the ice. The, oh, the glass. It's glass. Because it's, it's Cinderella. Oh. oh, I didn't even put that together. You're so right. You're brilliant. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I, I like Cinderella, how, uh, the glass monster. Mm -hmm. You're doing the science. I appreciate Yo, that. Oh, yeah. Um, I also, I I always love when Tuxedo Mask, where Tuxedo Mask chooses to bail when he's done with his, like, you've got this moment. And he just kind of, like, hops over the balcony. He's just like, gone. <laughs> and then the monster goes after Tuxedo Mask. And that's how Usagi gets it. It's, uh, it's the monster with Moon Tierra action, and the monster turns into dirt. I like that you point that out, though, because I've pointed out Tuxedo Mask just leaving in a couple of episodes, there's the one where he just walks down a hallway. He's like, yep. shows up in the doorway, he gives a speech, and then he's like, hi. And you see him just kind of saunter away. <laughs> <laughs> His job is done. It, it is. Yeah. So, yeah, the monster's dead. Uh, everybody comes back, and they're like, what are we doing in this theater? Why am I dressed like Why this? are we standing in an empty theater? <laughs> and you have a new accent. What I asked myself many times. And then our girl... Idol Mikan wakes up. She's been in her bathtub for like what three days? Three days? Yeah. yeah. Blast up. How did she not die? She didn't cover her face. She just kind of wrapped her body and we see her. See her but still, she couldn't have been comfortable. <laughs> yeah, no. for real. For three days. Yeah. Poor Mikan. Yeah. Gosh. And then uh, we end on 
Usagi and Luna getting into a tiff, and then Usagi giving us. Oh yeah, Luna's like, oh, <laughs> sorry. Say you're sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Finally, Usagi's like, oh, I'm sorry for making you a dancing animal. <laughs> Ida has entered the chat. So that's our final Usagi solo episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty important one coming up next. There's not a lot of technical things to say about this one. So I've been talking about the team, you know, kind of behind these things because the production of the first Sailor Moon anime is kind of a wild ride. Uh, The things that were going on. The first season. Uh, No, the whole run. Just sort of with people coming in and out and then creative differences and issues with the network and trying to catch up with an ongoing manga that was still being made. Sure. But this, episode episode seven gets our first time we've got a full returning staff so uh the director takao yoshizawa remember him from doing episode two Mm. the writer is shigeru yanagawa he did um episode two as well and episode five with the chanela if he he has so far written all of our episodes that involve jedi acquiring real estate interesting (laughs) okay themes and then uh, the director was Katsuji Matsumoto, who also did episode two. Um, so it's sort of the return of the episode two crew. Okay. Two crew. Two uh, crew. Yeah. <laughs> but now our main event of this episode and why you are here. Yes. Um, I'm glad you were here for the theater one as well. But, yes, but. me too. <laughs> Relying a lot on your experience there. So I do want to say this is the first time the lead director of the series, uh, Junichi Sato, has Uh returned to lead an episode. Okay. So he did episode one where we were introduced to Usagi and Sailor Moon, and now he's doing this one. So is he directing a lot of the major beats episodes? so far he's given us our two character introductions, Mm -hmm. and these are also kind of the only two plot episodes. That's what I mean. Um, And these two episodes happen to be the most by the manga ah, so okay. far. Yeah. And I think they're also both very strong episodes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You really get a lot of, like, Ami's character, and we'll go into that more with the episode, but there's, like, a few scenes I really like that set her up well. There are lines in this episode that are taken directly from the manga. Like, when Luna mm-hmm. jumps to Ami, and Ami's like, oh, I thought you were an angel. If I didn't uh-huh. know home. Like, yeah. that's you know, the hallway scene that we talked about at the beginning of, you know, when we kicked off this episode of the podcast was directly from the manga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all in there. But we start this episode off with Kuko, Usagi's mom, begging Usagi to study a little bit for this movie. Oh, she's reading manga! Oh, yeah. I love that. I felt, yeah. I felt very, uh, very connected to Usagi. Like, just sitting reading funny comic books uh, instead of doing the important things. Is, uh, Even shows her mom like check this out isn't this funny yeah coming to scold her and Sagi's thought process is once mom sees how funny this is obviously she'll get it clearly that'll be okay no problem okay but Ukuko does laugh at first she does yes yeah but I think it's more of like ahaha that's great but type energy Knowing Akuko, I think I think she genuinely I think it reads to me like oh, that's genuinely funny. Wait, I have to be a mom right now. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe so, Exactly. So a little bit of a Japanese culture thing. I'm not sure if, and you guys can tell me if it did carry over, is 
there are in junior high schools, there are these big national practice exams uh-huh. that do figure into your school grade. They do matter for your school grade, but they are called practice exams because they are um, sort of mirrors of the standardized tests that Japanese students have to take to get into high schools and to get into university. So when you start school in Japan, you usually go to a public school for elementary school. Some people, if they've got a bunch of money, can do private school. And there is competition to get your kid into the best private or public school. You don't always have to go to school near your house. Most people do because it's convenient, but you can, if you figure out a way to bus your kid or get your kid on the subway, you can send them to school all the way across the city if you think that that is the best school and that's going to get your kid the best education. Okay. Um, like if there's a performing arts school or something like that, the no, math and sciences. Uh, it's actually less like that and more just like the school's score. Oh. Yeah. There's less um, focus on interest based schools like that until high school. Okay. Okay. Um, it's just about like this school has the best rating. I want my kid to go there. I mean, I kind of looked at it like, um, you know, well, in America we have, in the U.S., uh, we have uh, standardized testing. Standardized testing in, uh, or the Iowa test or whatever. Yeah. Does not determine what school we get to go to. Right. No. So for elementary school, people will try to get their kid into the best elementary school because that will set them up for the best test to get into a junior high. Right. And so then you want to test your kid into the best junior high. And then they spend three years in junior high, unlike two in the U.S. And then they have to take a test to get into a good high school. And the high school entrance exams are so competitive. They are um, sometimes more competitive than the university exams. Right. And then that will set you up for where you can test into to go to university. So So these tests are a really big deal for your future. The practice tests do impact your grades. In, while you're in junior high, but also when they're the national test, the results get published ah, yeah, in okay. like newspapers and stuff. Stressful. So if Usagi yeah. gets the worst grade in, you know, the prefecture, we're gonna know. <laughs> right. Yeah, Usagi hits them with some deep knowledge, some Zen shit. She's like, "There's got to be a bottom, mom. If there's a top, something's gonna be the worst. Yeah, and that's just the way of the world." If there's a top, there's a bottom. And don't you know, it's just my lot, my destiny to be the bottom student so someone can be the top. And then you want to punish me? But I think the funniest part, <laughs> yes. and I don't remember if it's after the scene or not, where uh, Jedi is explaining to Queen Beryl how all this system works. The mental energy speech. <laughs> yeah. And she's just like, yes, I've heard from the reports that this is very stressful to the children. One, what kind of reports is Queen Beryl getting? Maybe this is why things aren't going well. And two, and two, my favorite part is like, what happens after they get out of university? Jedi's like, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, Jedi. Same. Like... What happens is you take a shitty service job and you're like, oh, my sociology degree. But that's not interesting to the Negaverse. So. <laughs> that's because all those people after getting out of college are drained. All their yeah, yes, correct. Do I want to know what reports Queen Beryl is getting? Yeah, I'm very <laughs> curious about Where that. Is she, what, what are her sources? Cite your sources, Queen Beryl. She's sending out a Yoma to go pick her up some, like, 
taped news reports or something since we know now that her crystal ball is a tape deck. I got my degree in business. What's that mean? You are qualified for retail. <laughs> okay, so we have them talking about, oh, talking about the grades. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and- we have a nice read of uh, the human education system. And then there's yep. kind of this poignant moment where Luna's trying to get Usagi to study and Usagi is still just reading comic books on top of her books. And then Luna's like, you know, this is just showing how you're not taking your duties to find the princess seriously either. You know, you've got a destiny. And Usagi, you know, tells Luna, and this is something that's going to come up over and over again in the show. Mm-hmm. She says, I didn't ask this destiny. True. Oh, that is yeah, such a big theme. Such a big time theme. No, nobody asked for this. Right. <laughs> that, that's just their cosmic destiny to be this way. And they, oh, there's so many things that have to happen. <laughs> and at some point, there's been things trying to make this destiny not happen, even before yep. we get the birth of Usagi. And yep, you haven't learned about that yet, so I can't spoil it for you. Yeah, mm. I know. I'm having I'm having to like think about like oh okay <laughs> grand plot wise where are we? <laughs> so yeah, they have that conversation, and Usagi's basically like, "Well, I didn't ask for this destiny." And Luna says, "Well, your foes don't care if you ask for it or not. You know, they're out there. They're hurting people." And Usagi goes, "That's real too." Usagi goes, "Who really are they? What are these monsters?" And Luna has a moment where she goes, "Honestly, I'm not sure." She hasn't thought about this. She's been yeah. so like princess, princess, princess. Right, wrapped up in the mission. So hasn't taken a, a moment to step back and really think about things. Like yeah. who else are we right. dealing with besides finding the princess? So this is the first time we see Luna go to the arcade and mm. talk to the Sailor V machine. I love that. That is the setup for Luna's secret rendezvous. She is like, <laughs> ah, the arcade. No one will suspect that. And I love Can we talk uh, about the passphrase though oh yeah yeah that's what yeah Haley had to explain to me with the cultural significance of that because the passphrase is what the rabbit on the moon is making mochi the mochi is very sticky yes it gets bubbly on the grill and that's like the whole back and forth patch passphrase mm-hmm. and apparently in japan you know how there's the man in the moon and like western cultures mm-hmm. and there's a rabbit making mochi on the um, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to to <laughs> think about how to explain the concept of emoji. Go for it. It's a delicious treat. Um, yes, it's that glutinous rice cake. So you basically make rice and then you keep cooking the rice until it's really sticky, and then you start pounding it until it becomes like a sticky yeah. You get flour. this big ass hammer. It's like dough, and because you're hitting it, it makes little craters and stuff in it, and it's white and it's gooey, so it does look uh, very moon-like, like the moon. Yeah, the surface of the moon. What's the rabbit part coming from? You know, when we look at the moon and we think we see a human face in it, like a man's face? Sure. When they look at the moon, they think they see uh, like big rabbit ears and a little rabbit head. Oh, okay. Yeah, they see a bunny in the shadows. Ah, cute. But also, Usagi. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She is Sailor Moon. And her name is Usagi. Usagi Sakino literally Mm -hmm. means. Rabbit of the Moon. Uh, and, and that actually is uh, something to, I guess, kind of point out is all of the scouts' names are referential to their element. So, uh, like Ami, her last name is Mizuno. It's water. Basically, all of them kind of do that. 
Um, but yeah, Usagi Skino, Moon Rabbit. <laughs> exactly. So then, do we go to school after that? We do go to school at well, um, yeah. So we get, and I think it is important that the Sailor V game gets referenced here because it is important when Ami plays it. Yeah. Oh, yep. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, we, we get introduced to the concept game. of the Sailor V arcade game, which I think builds up the other idea that Sailor V is going to be important. Mm -hmm. But because there's a video game of her, <laughs> and she's a sailor as well, and then now Luna is communicate. This is another thing that's pulled from the manga. Luna spends a lot more time in her kind of arcade base in the manga. Arcade HQ. Yeah, and in the yep. live action series as well, the arcade is kind of the like Sailor Senshi, like fucking headquarters. Yeah, the back cave, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, then we get to go to school. Mm -hmm. And there's talk of the test scores being posted. And Ami is specifically called out as having the highest score in the school. Yeah, Umino's um, like, I hear she has an IQ of 300. So in the, uh, this is a, a, something that I find hilarious and I wanted to call out. In the new English dub, he says her IQ is over 9,000. <laughs> Wait, you can write that in there. Very nice. <laughs> I love that. I like going, I like watching a mix of things just to see stuff like that that gets thrown in there. No, that's good. There's uh, um, there's apparently a few, well, and we'll get to it later with the, I still don't know how to use a computer. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, you're a cat. How do you use a computer? But so yeah, they're talking about Ami's uh, test grade and then they, they gossip about her being so smart and then they gossip about her mom being a doctor. So Ami's mm -hmm. wealthy. Uh -huh. And then they kind of create this idea of, you know, she's this very smart, stuck up rich girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know she can afford to go to this fancy cram school that we can't go to, and that's why she's so smart. Mm -hmm. And then we see her for the first time. Her character design, I think, is a cool. How do you feel about her character design? Oh, I love it. Um, it the the lines are very flowing. She, you know, she's our water scout. Um, I love that she has super short hair. So that that makes her very different from the other scouts design wise. Mm -hmm. Um, she's also the only one that has crazy colored hair. Yeah, she um, got blue hair. Mm-hmm. I love her design, but I'm biased. <laughs> no, um, I think her design is very, like, I'm trying to think of, like, other animes. And even just, like, watching her through this episode, you can tell she's going to be more of a uh, sort of straight man character, I think. Because, like, you know, Usagi is so, like, goofy. And Ami seems very, like, put together. And thought, and so I guess it's more about her personality. But the design, yeah, I like the blue hair. It certainly plays into her elements, mm -hmm. um, and that's like a nice little subtle thing. Um, yeah, I just always really loved again talking about this hallway scene. They're like, ah, she's so stuck up, blah blah blah, and then you see her, and she's so thoughtful and kind of sad. And and that's actually something that I, I want to touch on here, Ami. They, they all, all the scouts kind of have rough home life. <laughs> but Ami is very lonely. Um, yeah. Her mom's a doctor, so she's never around. And when she's at school, she's the smart kid that nobody wants to talk to. And then she goes to cram school and cram school is 
super intense and then she goes to sleep and she does it all again and that's all she does her mom is a single mom and if her mother's a doctor she's probably working wild hours right and she's alone at school and these people are gossiping about her right there she's right there right and it's not really until she uh, until usagi kind of comes up to her that she really has a friend and that's really sad. Yeah. Um, I really love the Ami Usagi friendship because I, I, I think that they bring out, I mean, you said earlier that Usagi brings out the best in everybody, but I, I think that's especially true both ways for, for Ami and Usagi. Yeah. And it's that just talking about you saying Usagi's the first time that Ami has a friend, that scene on the rooftop is very, oh. at the end of the episode, is very very touching yeah because through this whole thing usagi's been complaining about having to be a superhero complaining about being sailor moon she has to be lured into it with jewelry when she solves something she's like okay reward me like i'm doing this for rewards like, <laughs> i did the thing give me cookie right. <laughs> i'm tired i'm scared i don't wanna and ami is just so touched to have somebody to do this with to have a partner she's like yeah. oh we're in this together she's not even worried about how terrifying the ordeal they'll figure out the rest she's got a friend and she she can do it this monster with an axe threatened to take out her brain the afternoon before yeah and she's at this point i mean she was scared in the moment but now she's like that's fine i'll deal with monsters with axes trying to take out my brain if i have a friend Yeah. yeah since we're kind of jumping around on this episode one of the things i wanted to mention and i think one of the biggest character moments is like luna jumping on her back on her shoulders and she doesn't freak out she's just like hey and like gives it a couple gives luna a couple chin scratches so super sorry i don't mean to interrupt super important thing that we haven't mentioned yet luna thinks ami is a monster yes um because there's this new energy Mm -hmm. that she can sense because she's kind of like the the guidepost of the scouts there's this new energy and she's never felt this before so it must be a monster clearly and so when she jumps on ami she's like trying to check her out if, if she's a monster and ami's initial reaction is are you an angel you're so sweet yeah. Sorry, I, really I just like wanted that. to hop in there real quick. I mean, no, that's great because Ami, Luna, even the cut of Luna's face when she's jumping to Ami, it's almost like she's jumping on her to attack her. Right. And then Ami immediately starts giving her chin scratches. And we get a thing where anytime Luna is behaving very like cat like, she almost gets embarrassed about it. Ami is scratching. Yeah, Luna, I'm really Luna confused. starts purring. Is and Luna a like, cat or is Luna like an alien? Look at that. Okay. Cat. Um, I, I also really love the relationship between Luna and Ami. But we haven't actually, that yet. Yeah. But they actually end up getting along really well. Probably the best out of any of the scouts. I could say. I would say. Luna's very serious and it seems like Ami's very dedicated. They could make a good match. Yes. And and I think in some ways, Luna looks at Ami like why can't Usagi be more like her? If Ami were Sailor Moon, obviously it would be totally different because who they are is very intrinsic. But Luna looking at it like how much more, how much farther along could we have been if I had someone who was, who thought like Ami did mm-hmm. instead of crybaby Usagi. I always looked at it as, man, 
Luna would be so much happier if she didn't have to live with Usagi. <laughs> yeah. But that line about Luna being an angel, Usagi goes, oh, that's such a cute thing to think. And immediately that is what endears Ami to Usagi. Usagi's like, oh, she's cute. And then she's like, hang out with me. Oh, I love how they animate Usagi's face when she's like conniving. <laughs> oh yeah, she's like, I'll become friends with this girl. And, and then, then she'll, she'll help me, me on the smart. test. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so her friendship plan is to take Ami to the arcade. Yeah. And Ami's like, I've never been to an arcade before, which first of all is so sad for a Japanese girl in the 90s. Right, arcades, I mean, they're still super like culturally, like one of the few places arcades still thrive is Japan. Yeah. And then Ricky so, plays the Sailor V game and you know, she gets pretty far and then she's like, could have gotten farther, but I'm off today. But you know, it's really hard. And I'm just like, yeah, it looks hard. I don't know if I'll be good at it. I've never done this before. Blast through the high score. Oh, Usagi says something like, you'll be lucky to get like 500 points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ami like, gets like several thousand. Yeah. <laughs> but that is another strike for Luna thinking that she's a monster. Yeah. Because she like, really smoked through this game that is we're learning through this episode is very important kind of to the investigative arm of the the, the scouts yeah this cat plus sailor moon but yeah then ami rushes out because she realizes she's running like for cram school leaving the game going at the super high score and all these dudes in the arcade are like yeah they're shocked even Matoki. Oh, Matoki. Good guy, Matoki. Oh, and she leaves, and she leaves behind her disc. Yes. Um, yes. Which is important, we learn, for her cram school. Yes. And Usagi, when Matoki gives it to her, and is like, hey, your friend dropped this, Usagi's like, huh, I don't even know what this is. I don't know how to use a computer. And what Grant <laughs> was referencing earlier is now that there is a Sailor Moon reboot, um, Sailor Moon Crystal has come out, and I showed him a clip. He hasn't watched any Crystal. But I showed oh. him a clip where Usagi gets a, it's a CD now. It's not a floppy. Mm -hmm. Oh, they upgrade. I feel like a CD. Yeah. Still... Actually, a CD is still, is kind of outdated now. <laughs> yeah. But it's better. It's better than a floppy disk. <laughs> and Usagi gets it and she goes, I still don't know how to use a computer. <laughs> <laughs> and it was definitely a callback. Like, Usagi, it's been 25 years. Yep. But that was a line we kept in, in the show because it was so funny. <laughs> Luna's like, let's check this disc. And they check the disc, and the disc is made by a monster. So Luna's Give like, Give us your energy, human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Program is not very subtle. <laughs> no, it's really not. But you got to think if, if they're brainwashing them, it doesn't really have to be subtle. <laughs> yeah, brainwashing is subtle. Buffy. Nope. Hold on. Sorry. Buffy is super barking. But they go to the cram school because now they, they think that they have proof that Mommy is a monster. And um, Mamaru is also hanging out outside this cramp school. And he hears Usagi and Luna having a conversation. And he weirdly takes that in stride. Oh, yeah. He's like, was that cat just talking? Yeah. They're like, no. If, if I love like, this gag not. here where Usagi and Luna run away. Then they stop. They look back. And they like look at Mamaru. He looks back. And then they just like jet back to the house. <laughs> yep. They don't get back to the house. They get a little far away and they wait for him to leave. And then Usagi... to go to, to check on Ami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Usagi goes and turns into a doctor. Sub note, you see Usagi's house like from an aerial view. Very nice. Oh, it's a nice house. I feel yeah, like, I guess, you know, that would be worth a pretty penny. When it, Usagi like busts into the cram school in her. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Before she goes, make me into a university. She uses her, uh, her um, disguise pen. pen. And she's like, Make me into a university doctor. 
and uh, she gets on her little lab coat, and her plan is just to be like, everybody, the computers are hurting you. Yeah. <laughs> this is my only one complaint with this whole episode, is that when Usagi bursts in in her doctor disguise, Ami stands up and says, how dare you come in and, and bother people while they're studying? And it's like, Ami would never say that. Nope. Ami would never, like, one, be the one, like, shy, introverted Ami would not stand up and yell at someone. Two, Ami's mom is a doctor. I would say, especially not an authority figure. She would certainly not yell at an authority figure. Exactly. And presumably someone who, based on their form of dress, is in some relationship to the school. But, yeah. That's my one critique. Okay. That's a good one. Fair enough. Ami realizes that she doesn't have her disc. And she's like, oh, must have left it at home. It's okay. It gives me a headache anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love because that's already her scout senses telling her that this is bad. Mm -hmm. And she's already kind of going along. She's kind of, I mean, she doesn't exactly know what's going on, but she has a sense of it before anything even happens. And then the monster comes over and is like, why don't you have your disc? You have to use your disc. Right. And right about that time is when Usagi bursts in. We don't get too much monster time on this one. How do you feel about nope. this? I really enjoy the way it attacks. So when Usagi bursts in, her plan doesn't really work. And nope. then she and Luna's like, all right, transform. Then the monster starts asking her quiz questions. And until she answers them, she throws like bad grades at her. And she's just trying to dodge. And one of them is like, why do apples fall to the ground? Uh, Isaac Newton taught you this. And finally, she's like, I don't know. Why don't you ask these apples? Shit. Um, and then Luna's question. like, gravity, Usagi. It's because of gravity. The Earth has gravity. And she's like, gravity. And then the papers disappear. And she's like, all right, number two, explain gravity. And she's like, oh, that's impossible. <laughs> 50 words or less. Explain gravity. And Usagi says that's impossible. I feel like by 14 years old, you should be able to explain gravity. Uh, gravity is uh, is uh, a uh, is fake news. So the students from the cram school that are being mind controlled are kind of sicked on Usagi, and Ami is. Not I thought she was going to use moon healing powder here. What she used with the Chanel episode. Yeah. That actually would have been a really good use of that. It would have, but she's cowering in the corner, and the monster notices that. She's still thinking about gravity. The monster notices that Ami is not part of the zombie horde that yep. is going after Usagi. So Ooh, she grabs her and she's By like, her head and like shoves her into the screen. It was kind of rough for a yeah, kid's cartoon. Yeah, she's like, get mind controlled now. Yeah. And the beautiful moment of the symbol appearing on her forehead. And then Luna the puts it together that, mm -hmm. oh shit, Ami's a sailor scout. Yeah, and then Usagi goes, didn't you think she was a monster before? And Luna's like... <laughs> Never mind that. <laughs> Never mind <laughs> Here's a pen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like the part where uh, she's like, oh, yeah. Oh, she's not the monster. Oh, weird. Uh, transform. Sorry. Um, say the words. Mercury, power, make up. Yeah, yeah. And Luna poops out. Also, can we talk about how weird this must be that you're at your everyday cram school and a monster has mind controlled your fellow students 
and then a cat throws a pen at you and is like, hey, say Mercury Power Makeup and something cool will happen. And Ami's like, I guess I got nothing to lose. This woman is Might as well. Mercury Power Makeup. (laughs) And has been trying to steal my brain. (laughs) Okay. So there is this new energy and we're led to think that it's, you know, the Dark Kingdom's plan and the monster stealing from the kids at the cram school. But... I also wonder, too, if Ami is slowly coming into being Sailor Mercury on her own as well. Maybe. Because like you're saying, you know, the disc is giving her headaches. She doesn't want to use it. And then I don't think it's an accident that the symbols appear on the foreheads because it is linked to, like, your brain and your memory and thinking and realizing, like, so maybe a bit of that symbol showing up gave her a bit to leave. So she sets it up. It's like the alley oop, you know? Yeah. No, no, that makes a lot of sense. And then Ami even says, you know, now say the moon um, to finish off this monster. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's working as a team right there. And there's mm-hmm. no tuxedo mask. And as y'all have been saying, if it's about the power of friendship. That's also the power of teamwork. Mm-hmm. teamwork. Um, I don't know if y'all know this makes the dream work. Ah, it does. That's very true. I was going to say that now Sailor Moon is almost always Ami or Tuxedo Mask. It's very rare that I can think that if if it's not everyone, it's one of those two. They have a lot of parallel in their characters that I think. Oh, yeah. Yep. Talk about once you see more of Ami. Mm-hmm. But But yeah, so they they get through this monster. There's no tuxedo mask because Ami is the the support. Mm -hmm. And then they have their sweet roof scene and the episode ends. Oh, yeah. The monster turns into dirt (laughs) instead of sand in this one, I noticed. Oh, you didn't talk about the monster design. Oh, the monster design was pretty cool. It was like, again, it's something that like, and I guess, you know, Japanese animation, they have different kind of ideas of where they can push things culturally. But like, her about to get murdered with an ax, I don't know if that would fly on a US kids show. They didn't edit it. Maybe they wouldn't have created it, but that part was not edited in the America. Interesting. And it is scary when the monster's arm turns into that axe. It also gets like inhumanly like long yeah. and thin. It's yeah. like a weird Ugh. Yeah. Uh I'm trying to think, uh was her transformation music different? I don't think any music really stood out to me on these two episodes. It's sh- it's shorter. It's not as long as Sailor Moon's is. Yeah, I can't think of anything that stood out. I just keep thinking how she keeps running into Oru. How big is Juban. Well, she was going to check out the cram school. Yeah. And maybe he was also going to check out the cram school. Oh, I see. Maybe mm-hmm. there are reasons. But yeah. we already talked about that. Um, the director for this is our lead director for the show, Junichi Sato. Mm-hmm. Um, the writer is Tsukihiro Tomita, who is also a returning writer. So now we're going to start getting people finally back. Uh, it only took seven or eight episodes before we have some of the <laughs> Only? Goof. Um, <laughs> so this is the same writer that wrote episode one and episode four. Mm-hmm. Episode one, I think, is a credit to Tsukihiro mm-hmm. uh, Tomita. I think episode four is probably a negative. Yeah. And then the lead animation director is our shonen guy again from episode oh. three, uh, oh. Kurohiko Natsume. And that's all my technical stuff, but there are some fun things about Ami as a character I want to mention. So first of all, 
Ami is the least popular character of the Sailor Senshi in North America. Yep. Um, there's a character that shows up later that is less popular than Ami in North America. But as far as like your core Sailor planet, Ami's the well, I assume Luna is the most popular everywhere. I haven't met any of the other Sailor Scouts. Um, I'm trying to think. I guess she's more bookish, and that might not yes. result in Northern America crowds. Yeah. She's quiet and bookish and generally pretty reserved. But Haley you know? was mentioning more popular in Japan. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think that probably has to do with Something Haley kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, which is Ami is kind of the ideal of a Japanese, uh, female Japanese student. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Ami is by a huge margin the most popular character in Japan. Really? Yeah, I mean, not even just in student. Ami is kind of the ideal 14-year-old Japanese girl. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's not any accident that she is the first Sailor Senshi introduced in all forms of media that is Sailor Moon because she is the strongest contrast to Usagi. Usagi's bad at school, she's loud, she takes up space, she eats on the street. Ami is smart, quiet, she's feminine, she's very demure. You can't eat on the street? No. In Japan? No. Why not? You're supposed to sit down on a bench or like somewhere, eat your food, throw your trash away, then get up and keep walking. What if you're in a hurry? No. Mm. That's <laughs> No. <laughs> but that's it, Usagi is loud and rude. And she doesn't Usagi- care. <laughs> She's wildly flawed, and by um, she's actually like kind of shocking by Japanese standards in so many ways. I worry um, I wouldn't do well in Japan then because I <laughs> identify with Usagi a lot. <laughs> but Ami's the ideal. Like parents watching this want their kids to be Ami, and I think people in Japan and little girls watching this also wanted to be Ami, and that's why she is so popular. She's like aspirational there, huh, but okay. it, she's not here. And I think she speaks to a lot of the loneliness of latchkey kids. I mean, think about the amount of hours that parents work in Japan. Sure, sure. Um, and the pressures of school and, you know, the importance of study. Yeah, the work culture and just like cram culture in Japan is like, and in uh, a lot of East Asia too, because Korea even has like a day where it's like, don't make any noise because everyone's going to like national uh, do their big national college exam test. I think we're all pushed too hard in the world because of uh, a lot of reasons and it gets unhealthy. But, you know, I also understand that's an ideal people want to meet. Pretty much anytime, anytime anybody else talks about Ami's intelligence and her studying, it's, oh, isn't she so exceptional? Isn't she so great? And anytime she talks about her intelligence or her studying, it's always, it's very lonely. I didn't have normal experiences. I don't know what you're talking about because I've never experienced that. Right. She even says in this episode, oh, but school's the only thing I'm good at. Right. What kind of, uh, yeah, right after she got the high score on the Sailor V game, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So she is this ideal in this way. And... I think on the surface, you can see people really wanting to be her or be like her. And when characters talk about her intelligence, you know, they're jealous all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mean sometimes. But yeah, you know, if you actually feel this way or if you are kind of the Ami at your school, it is lonely. Yeah. I think that's people think you're stuck up and it's like, no, she's just quiet and smart, you know? Yeah. I think so many kids watching this, either they aspired to Ami or they were Ami and they saw themselves in her 
melancholy. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Well, that's a sign of a good character too. Is like you know people really resonating with her. She resonates across borders, obviously, because you know uh, we're talking positively about her. She's your favorite character. Um, I have several friends who she's their favorite character, but I think, yeah, the reason why she was less popular in the kind of North America sphere is because she is based so much in the ideals of a Japanese teenage girl. Mm -hmm. And the flip side of that is she was also wildly popular with the male audience uh, to the point of where Ami is the very first character that gets the description of Moe. And What's Moe? Moe, um, something that means like almost cute to the point of being like pathetic, and you need to <laughs> what? like cute. It's in, helpless like, cute. <laughs> helplessly cute. Help, cute to the point of like you want to save and protect her. Oh, okay. Yeah, thank you, Katie. Helplessly cute is better. <laughs> um, pathetically cute. But uh, there, there's a a little bit of a almost a sense of sadness about Moe cuteness. <laughs> And later when we're going to see with, with a lot of these character designs being more like sort of formalized is Ami has her eye shape slants downward, almost like the puppy dog eye down. Mm -hmm. And that is something that every single Moe character in existence is going to get. And that comes yep. from- So she's kind of the archetype. She is the archetype Moe girl. Mm -hmm. And so kind of, unfortunately, a lot of Moe these days that's being made is very, very bad. Yes. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, the genesis of all that, of those like boppy, sticky, cute, baby looking characters, unfortunately goes back to Ami. Well, as we all know, anime was a mistake, but Sailor yeah. Moon's pretty good. It's people taking the lowest common denominator of Ami's characters. Yeah. The staff has, um, I think, kind of a mixed. So Ami's first attack in the manga and in other iterations is not Samon Spray. Mm. It is Mercury Bubbles Blast mm. or Mercury Bubble Beam. Okay. And it's kind of problematic that they made it Sabao Spray. Why? Because Sabao is a Portuguese loan word that the Japanese use for soap bubble. Okay. Ami's powers are not soap-based. They are ice and water-based. Yeah. And there is an extreme fetish in Japan. For soap? For women using soap. Oh, uh, yeah, because people don't want smelly people around. No, there's like brothels <laughs> you can go to. Beyond yeah. <laughs> that. What? Yeah, where you get yeah. like lathered up, or women are like lathered up and you get to touch them and they're soapy. It slip out of your hand. <laughs> That's part of the appeal, I guess. It's a thing. <laughs> so people just hang out with like people sudsing up? Yeah. Either in swimsuits or nude, and they, they pay for that. Like it's sex work. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm never going to knock anyone's hustle. I guess that's not something that really. Okay. But what? can you can you see how that becomes extremely problematic? Yes. When yeah, you get yeah, the yeah. like weird. I did not know that. Was that like the, someone's like little inside haha joke? It it was because they knew from the manga and the popularity of the manga how popular Ami was yeah. with one everyone, but two especially with male readers. And oh no. That yep. was going to, yep. yeah. exactly that. Exactly that. Oh no. <laughs> into her becoming sort of their fetish girl, yeah. which leans into kind of the the direction Moe took. Yeah. And 
The next director of the series, Kaneko Ikuhara, he is the assistant director right now, and he is going to take over halfway through season two, and okay. he's going to be the lead director for season two, season three, and season four. He, um, we've talked about him. Is there like that. sexy soap brands in Japan? I, I don't know. I haven't looked into it that much. Sorry, I don't mean to derail. Now I'm just like blown away. So it's when, like, damn, extra suds. So when I was in Double Japan. Pun. Oh, go ahead, Katie. Oh, I, I was just making a bad joke. Bubble pun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, blown away. So when I was in Japan in high school, I spent most of my time in Osaka. Mm. And when we were first setting up in Osaka, the place that they had us, they, ended, they had to move us because at first the apartment that they got for these American high schoolers was in like a super Yakuza controlled <laughs> district because they didn't know what they were doing. And I mean like, Yakuza, Yakuza. Like there were love hotels everywhere. Oh, there oh were dudes, no. There were like super tattooed dudes walking around without pinkies. Some guys like shook up some of my classmates at an arcade for literal quarters. I remember you telling me that. There were also, because there were love hotels everywhere and stuff, there were also a lot of brothels. Uh huh. There were a lot of signs outside the brothels of women in bikinis in either bubble baths or like really lathered up and like lathering like a loofah next to their face, like looking cute. Oh, see, I would read that as like, oh, these girls shower. Well, I asked. And that's the appeal. Well, I asked. It's like, hey, these girls, they just took a shower, so you're good. <laughs> well, I asked someone about it. And um, they explained. Did you have a pinky? I did not ask a random Yakuza man on the street about it. I asked one of the like Japanese people that there. Oh, okay. <laughs> random Yakuza man. Can you tell me about this soap up, fetish? Immortal, immortal fucking dragon gin. Well, <laughs> Sorry, I've been watching, uh, I've been kind of, Haley's been watching that uh, Yakuza house husband show. Wait, the house husband. It's yeah. so and cute. His name is like immortal dragon something. Yep. Mm -hmm. The immortal dragon. Yeah. And uh, it's a pretty funny show. It is. Um, and it's so good. now that's like what I, I didn't know, like Yakuza guys have like nicknames. Oh, mm. and I figured it'd be like American nickname where it's like, this is AK. This is this is tiny, even though he's a big guy. <laughs> but yeah, we spent about four days in this like super, super, super like Yakuza hood before oh, wow. they were like, we found y'all some, some new dorms. Some nice non brothel adjacent <laughs> non Yakuza dorms. <laughs> Yakuza dorms. Um, but you could have started your life in organized crime. <laughs> I, I was having a great time. I luckily <laughs> did not get mugged. I did not get threatened to any street dancing battles. Oh no, I would have had a retreat. <laughs> thing street that dancing battles. Time to go. Um, I yeah, all the all the Yakuza guys were super nice to me. You didn't have to give up your pinky. No. So the flip side of Ami being the first moe and. Some of the studio. Could lead. I be a bro Sorry. The flip side of that is Kunihiko Ikuhara went on to partner with Hideki Anno and work on the Evangelion. Okay. And a lot of the same staff from Sailor Moon worked on Evangelion and voice actors as well. So um, the uh, police officer for Nerve that adopts Shinji and his pen pen. I remember pen pen. Her voice actress is Usagi's voice actress. Okay. Ray. Damn. Some hella good roles. Yeah. She's fantastic. 
Ray in Evangelion, she's got blue hair and she's got that eye shape and she speaks the way that she does because she is an echo of Ami and she's meant to be a commentary on the way Japanese culture treated Ami. Mm. I so, didn't know that. Yeah, so they were like, oh, you wanted your Moe girl and you did all of this. Here she is, but scary. Mm. Mm. He was kind of Ikuhara working with Hideki Anno to be sort of a fuck you. Yeah. Um, and then the culture did the same thing to Ray, even more so. So it, it didn't work. They but had they the tried, and that's important. <laughs> yeah, and they had the best of intentions, and I think they were successful. Um, watching it, I was very shocked. You can't trust horny people. I mean, that is solid life advice right there. Yeah. You can't trust horny people. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to get too much into Ami as that sort of figure because I think that she is really funny when she wants to be. I think she's mm-hmm. smart. And obviously, I think she's got a lot of depth. I think she's a great take on kind of the the intelligent, you know. They, they don't yeah. paint her as, as... Yeah, she's not one-dimensional so far. Yeah, she's and not... And it sounds like she, from what y'all are telling me, she's got a lot of depth. She's not yeah. cool or emotionally inept. Um, yeah, know. she's not like a weird robot. Right. You're also not snobby about being being intelligent. Yeah, yeah it's condescending or anything. Yeah. Even though Naoko's plan originally was to make her a cyborg and make children. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. I'm glad that there's a lot of things Naoko wanted to do that I'm like, man, I really wish they would have let, you know, Naoko Takeuchi the But that was do one that. where you're like, yeah, I mean, okay, maybe they made the right call. There. Yeah, your editor was right, Naoko. <laughs> But what if she but was a cyborg? Think, but think about it. <laughs> no. Uh, this is one I'll give But to what her. if she wasn't? <laughs> <laughs> this is one I'll yeah. give to Osipi. Uh, thank you for shooting down that idea. Osipi! Um, who is Naoko's editor and referenced a lot in the single room show, including the yep. name of Naru's mom's jewelry store. Yep. Osipi. Much Osipi. better than Pet Shop Rope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um... Thanks for being on this episode, Katie, and talking about Ami. Thank yeah, you for Katie. having me. This was a blast. Yeah, it's been really good having you and appreciate all your theatrical and Ami knowledge. Oh, thanks. I would love to come back anytime. Definitely. Oh, yeah. We'll have you on again. Uh, do you want to Oshiokio us out? Oh, my goodness. Oshiokio! Buffy or cut. Um, um.